the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. All right, a very pleasant good afternoon to you and welcome on board. It is the Tuesday edition of Lifeline, 5.05 past the hour. And as we lead off tonight's program, we're just getting word into the KFAX newsroom that there are reports of a shooting at Tan Fran Mall in San Bruno. Uh, Now, information right now is real sketchy. We do have visual confirmation that there's been a swarm of both police and fire apparatus at the mall. BART is reporting that the BART service beyond the South San Francisco station has been closed down. So if you're trying to get from the peninsula, from the airport into San Francisco, or heading south out of the city down the peninsula, the furthest you can go right now is the South San Francisco station. BART service beyond that going through San Bruno is currently closed down. Uh, Now, there's no real details yet. This is really sketchy. Local media reporting that there may be as many as four victims, but no word on how serious their injuries may be. The authorities, uh, both at Kaiser Hospital in South San Francisco and San Francisco General Hospital, have been on alert to expect to receive uh, potential victims. As I say, there are multiple fire trucks and police cars. Um, dozens of people have been evacuated from the mall. Most of the the uh, activity right now seems to be in front of the very mall itself, where the the large horse statue of I think it's Secretariat uh, is is located. So, again, not a lot of details. There's some speculation this may be connected to an attempted robbery. But, again, details right now are very limited. Police advising everyone avoid the area. So you're going to want to stay off of El Camino Real near Sneath at that intersection. If you've joined us late, let me repeat. Details are sketchy so far, but we're getting reports into the KFAX newsroom that there is an active shooter at Tanferan Mall in San Bruno. Local media reporting that there may be as potentially as many as four victims, but yet no clear word on how serious their injuries may be or whether or not there are any fatalities. There are multiple fire apparatus as well as police cars on the scene. Dozens have been evacuated from the mall. The shooting, again, may be attempted or may be associated with an attempted robbery, but there are no details yet. And even looking at uh, local media reports, information is very sketchy other than seeing massive police activity going on. So I would avoid certainly the BART station, BART reporting that they have closed down the San Bruno station. There is no service south of San Francisco, nor service going from the airport and the Millbrae station heading back northbound into the city. So uh, you're going to have to work uh, some sort of alternate transportation until uh, we know more about what's going on there. 
So, not uh, not a pleasant way to start the afternoon. Let's be in prayer for those potentially impacted by all of this. Sketchy details. And again, uh, avoid 101, I'm sorry, El Camino at Sneath Lane at Tanferan Park. Reports of an active shooter. Up to four victims so far. We don't know whether or not there are any fatalities. We just know that police have cordoned off the area. And once we get more information into the KFAX newsroom, We'll keep you posted. Turn a quarter, touch on some other headline news here this afternoon. Democrat presidential candidate hopeful California Senator Kamala Harris is jumping in to another poll and apparently doing well this time. Quinnipiac University poll has Harris in second place behind former VP Joe Biden. Biden coming in at 22 percent, with Harris following at 20 percent. California senator enjoyed very positive headlines after a strong debate performance in Miami last week. CNN poll found this week that Biden held 22 percent of popularity, with Harris at 17 percent. Russian President Vladimir Putin is being pulled out of an event in Moscow today. Reports now indicating that he's meeting with his defense minister. It's not known if the meeting has anything to do with the death of 14 Russian sailors who died after a fire broke out aboard their submarine earlier today. Meanwhile, it's been reported in Washington that VP Mike Pence abruptly canceled a scheduled speech in New Hampshire, a White House insisting, however, that the Pence cancellation at the event was not in any way connected to any national security issues. Well, it was certainly a bit of a um, testful and trying time for folks in Florida today. The U.S. Air Force now investigating after a fighter jet accidentally dropped dummy bombs over northern Florida. Let me emphasize, not the real deal, but you got to be thinking, if you're standing on the ground and you see an Air Force jet fly overhead and drop something, that's got to be pretty unsettling. Rick Hoshal has more details. The 25-pound non-explosive bombs are used for training. They were inadvertently dropped when the jet hit a bird. The Air Force says they have not received any reports of injuries or damage. They believe the training bombs would have landed near Sewanee Springs. Although they are inert, the bombs are equipped with a small pyrotechnic charge. The Air Force says they should not be handled if found. Rick Hoshul, NBC News Radio. All right, thank you, Rick, for that report. Well, days after losing a Supreme Court case, the Trump administration starting to print forms for the 2020 census that do not include a citizenship question. A high court late last week sent the citizenship question case back to a lower court, saying it needed more information on how the question came about. Critics have claimed that the administration wanted to include the question to discourage non-citizens from participating, which would lead to undercounts in many urban areas. New report today out indicating that an investigation into numerous claims that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has frequently misused his security service detail. Mike Bauer has more details. That whistleblower revealing that Pompeo asked his security detail to run personal errands for his family that included transporting the family dog and picking up Chinese takeout. Quoting, agents are complaining at times they're basically Uber Eats with guns. Meanwhile, the State Department does not deny that Pompeo's security detail handled those tasks. Mike Bauer, NBC News Radio. Meanwhile, President Trump is threatening to go if tariffs once again increase them this time in a trade dispute with the European Union. We get details now from correspondent Bill Zemfer. 
The office of the U.S. Trade Representative released a statement Monday saying the European Union could be hit with $4 billion in tariffs on a number of goods as a retaliatory measure over the EU subsidies of aircraft production. Tariffs would be placed on items from the EU including sausages, hams, pasta, olives, and European cheeses. Bill Zimfer, NBC News Radio. All right, let me update our lead story here this afternoon. Reports of a shooting at Tanferan Shopping Mall in San Bruno prompting a massive police response and the closure of the San Bruno BART station. BART indicated that a second, second station, the 12th Street station in Oakland, is also closed and a train at the station was being cleared in a search for possible suspects related to the situation in San Bruno. BART indicating the San Bruno station closure. Trains are not passing through the station. There is no southbound service at the moment south of the San Bruno station, including to San Francisco International Airport. A train shuttle is being run between SFO and Millbrae Station. Witnesses indicate a shop owner at the mall reported hearing about eight shots and saw at least two gunshot victims on the second floor of the mall, along with three people in handcuffs. Police have not yet confirmed the witness information. Another witness told reporters he heard about four gunshots at approximately 4 o'clock this afternoon near the Barnes & Noble bookstore and began yelling for people to get out of the mall. Uh, Right now, uh, there are no clear reports, no indication of whether or not these injuries are severe, whether or not there are any fatalities. We can tell you that there is a heavy police presence right now at Tanferan Park, and we recommend certainly avoid the Tanferan BART station. That is currently closed. No service going south of the South San Francisco BART station, nor north out of the Millbrae station into San Francisco. They have set up a bus bridge, though, temporarily. Meanwhile, avoid the area of El Camino at Sneath Lane in San Bruno, and we'll keep you posted throughout tonight's broadcast as more information comes in to the KFAX newsroom. 5.15 from KFAX. Let's get a look at traffic for you on this Tuesday ride home. We'll head back over to the KFAX Traffic Center. sweet sounds on huh? now you might be thinking there's the sound of a gibson les paul or maybe a fender telecaster well if that's what you're thinking you'd be wrong that in fact is the lace cigar box guitar and here to tell us about it is the coo of lace music scott friedland and scott great to have you with us Hey, thanks so much, Craig. Now, Scott, your background, of course, is as a professional musician, you are a composer and arranger. You even owned your own recording studio, and now you're serving, of course, as we mentioned, as the COO of Lace Music. And i got to tell you, I was surprised. I didn't know that such an animal existed, and a lot of folks are thinking, wait a minute, cigar box guitar? Craig's got to be kidding. How is a sound like that even possible? Well, you know, it's an electric cigar box guitar. And uh, how Lace all started with the uh, uh, 40 years of making guitar pickups, uh, pretty amazing. And we ended up making a cigar box guitar pickup for all of the people that were luthiers and do-it-yourselfers. And uh, we eventually just started to think about 
what if we were to really design a collection, a electric cigar box guitar that would be a three and a four string, and uh, use our use our amazing matchbook Illumitone pickup, which literally looks like matches. Uh, the, the magnet's kind of looking like the striker, and it's a it's a single coil and a humbucker combined, so you can have a clean or a dirty sound, and it has an unbelievable range and. I always love when people hear it, whether it's rock, progressive metal, blues, country. You close your eyes, you open them, and you can't believe it's an electric cigar box guitar. You know, you certainly can't. In fact, I spent some time watching some YouTube videos today of uh, different folks just kind of picking around, including that clip we just heard a moment ago. And I was utterly astonished at the quality of the tone that comes from this. And, And it sounds like you're really stepping up. In other words, initially, this was sort of a pickup that was designed for the do it yourselfer that wants to be creative and come up with an interesting electric guitar. And now I understand that Lace said, hey, let's to put out our own line of guitars we did we decided that we would build a collection i call it art and tone collide with music and we have 16 different designs they're all hand built these electric cigar box guitars the all of the sources are uh are coming from different parts of the globe the uh the maple neck is from canada the mahogany is from indonesia and africa and then all the hardware is from uh, korea and of course our lace alumitone matchbook pickup is made in the usa and uh what's interesting is that we literally hand built them and that's how they're made uh we don't buy a cigar box (laughs) we actually build the cigar box and it's purposefully built so that the way that we have designed it is that the sound and the tone really resonate within that box with our pickup, obviously. And, and certainly that sense of, of hand craftsmanship uh, is not only apparent in the quality of the guitar itself, but the sound, as we just heard, certainly speaks for itself in terms of, of just the, 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 the incredible tonal quality. I mean, it is competitive to certainly the untrained ear like mine. It is competitive with any major sort of traditional style electric guitar that's out there on the market today. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, I think the most fun I'm having right now is watching a progressive metal player like Dustin uh, play progressive metal on a four-string electric cigar box guitar. He plays on the uh, Secret Society, and I encourage everybody to go to the Lace Pickup and Lace Music YouTube channel just to watch what he does. Uh, Also, fascinating when you're on stage with, you know, 35,000 people watching you play, to be able to... uh, all of a sudden see a guy grab a four-string electric cigar box guitar and just shred on it. Very different than seeing somebody with one of the mainstream Fenders or Gibsons or any of the other name-brand guitars that most guitar players are playing. Yeah, and as I say, we're we're kind of accustomed to hearing that sort of sound coming out of a uh, you know uh, a, a Gibson guitar or or one of the big Les Paul names out there that everybody would even if they're not guitar players themselves immediately recognize, and yet to hear such an incredible uh, guitar sound, even out of a guitar as basic as just three strings, help us understand. Understand uh, the design here. Clearly, an, a lot of effort has gone into not just but the look and the feel, but the sound of these guitars and the pickup. Well, and this really just goes back to uh, Jeff and Don Lace uh, really focusing on creating this uh, amazing Illumitone pickup. Just the range is really incredible, and uh, you know uh, uh, the the three string. The thing that's interesting about that is. So a lot of people, 
want to learn how to play guitar, and some people are a little bit maybe intimidated by having a six-string guitar. This is a great starter instrument, too. Uh, three strings are really easy because it's open tuning. Every fret is a chord. It doesn't take long. Within minutes, I always tell people, you'll be playing a three-string electric cigar box guitar. Tell us about some of the thought, if you would, Scott, that went into the unique design and creation of these amazing guitar designs. Well, one of the things that you want to try to do is, you you know, we want to reach a broad audience. And, you know, we're worldwide with the products. So there's always different tastes in, in, in design and everything that we, that we all like. Uh, whether it's clothing, shoes, uh, you know, cars, everything is about design. So you try to create a collection that really appeals to the broad market. So, you know, we've got uh, Secret Society, which is kind of a uh, rock and roll skull roses uh, motif. Uh, we've got uh, Big Wolf, which is a beautiful uh, Big Wolf uh, uh, with a really great-looking designed background. Uh, you know, we also have uh, uh, some really interesting... Um, uh, designs that are more bluesy, kind of in the uh, Americana. We have a lace music Americana design. Uh, we also have royalty, which uh, actually is uh, uh, really well liked uh, by a lot of people in the UK. Uh, it has a very much uh, royalty sort of emblem design and look. And all these are are all our designs. Uh, then we have Buffalo Bull, which is kind of back in that bluesy. And then Gone Fishing, one of my favorites. And then the last one is. Uh, Arrow Pup, and of course, Deer Crossing. And they're all very unique in their design, their color. Um, I think the, uh, uh, the great part for us is uh, so far, uh, everybody has really embraced all of the designs. And uh, we're also making a lefty version uh, because we do have people that are left-handed. And uh, we weren't planning on it. And then all of a sudden, we started getting people asking us if we would build left-handed versions, so we decided we would build a small collection. Now, remember, these are very tight in the collection. They're all serialized. They're numbered. They're signed by Don and Jeff Lace. 250 instruments per design between the three and the four string. That's it. So when the collections are all sold out, and we'll move on to the next collection. So this becomes not only a great conversation piece and a wonderful instrument, but a great collector's item as well. And I'm I'm thinking of uh, the individual out there who says, you know, there is a gar- guitar player in the family that would really salivate over owning one of these amazing lace cigar box guitars. It's been it's been really uh, uh, great for us to see the variety of people that are buying it. We have people that are. In the you know in the teens the in the twenties buying it to go start off on a three string and then we've got people that are obviously seasoned guitar players who are buying it we have a jazz player that uses it on uh, the recording studio as another layer of texture you know I asked him why what do you like about it you know um, you're a jazz guitar player and he goes well first of all that Illumitone matchbook pickup is incredible but second of all it's just another layer of and uh, texture of tone. And it really adds to sort of the music that I'm creating. Uh, and that's that's another, you know, uh, uh, advantage of what this product really does offer a guitar player. Now, Scott, tell me this. I mean, again, to the untrained ear like mine, I go, wow, that really is an incredible guitar sound. But what about to a professional like yourself? We mentioned that you're a composer, a ranger, you've owned your own recording studio. From a professional standpoint, what do you think of the sound that's put out by this Lay Cigar Box guitar? Well, this, this, 
this particular product that we developed was really designed for, you know, the people that are professionals. Uh, it really is a tone and sound that you just can't get from any other cigar box guitar. There are plenty of people that make pickups, but nobody makes a pickup like this pickup, which is a single coil and humbucker combination. Literally, you take the volume control and you shove it down, you've got a clean sound, you pop it up, and you've got a dirty sound, that humbucker sound. And that's the beauty of the pickup and the way it's designed. The other nice thing is when you are moving from clean to dirty in terms of tone, you don't have to change the volume because it's exactly the same volume as it would be either way. That's another feature of the Lace Alumitone Matchbook pickup. Now, I understand that this guitar, and again, there are limited editions, but I understand that it's available right now in the Guitar Center. If folks want to find out more information about this amazing product by Lace, tell us more. Well, yeah, we're uh, we're in the top stores in Guitar Center nationally. Uh, up in San Francisco, we're actually in the San Francisco Guitar Center. We're also in the San Jose Guitar Center. What I tell people is just go in and play it. I guarantee it'll be an instrument you're going to consider to buy. Uh, we also have beautiful custom hand-built guitar cases that are tweed, kind of very nostalgic looking that work well with the uh, electric cigar box guitar. I like it because you can uh, take it anywhere you want. It travels well in the overhead bin of an airplane. Um, it's small, but yet has a big tone and sound. Yeah, and it's really unique. And again, the craftsmanship is incredible. In fact, you mentioned uh, the tweed case, and I happen to see some photographs, uh, high-resolution photographs available on the Internet at uh, the Lace website. And it is really an amazing retro look. Uh, if you love that sound and love that look to a guitar case, wow, this is going to be something great for you or maybe as a gift for a loved one that's a bit of a, uh, not a cigar aficionado, but in this case, a, <laughs> a guitar aficionado. Well, Scott, we appreciate you dropping by to tell us about this new product and again uh, we encourage folks to get more information check it out the new lace box guitars that cigar box look uh these are all handmade handcrafted right here in the good old us of a and available at guitar centers both in san francisco and in san jose an amazing look and certainly an amazing sound kind of stay with us for the rest of the show. Good stuff. All right. Our thanks to Scott Friedland, Chief Operating Officer of Lace Music. 530 from KFAX. Let's get you updated on traffic right now and see what's going on in the ongoing active police situation in San Bruno. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. 5.33 here on the Tuesday edition of Lifeline. Let me update you on a story that we broke just about a half hour ago. There are reports coming from San Bruno that there is a massive police presence at Tanfran Shopping Mall on reports of a shooting there. 
Now, police have evacuated the mall and are searching for the alleged gunman. A store manager has told reporters that two people may have been shot near the mall's entrance. Ambulances have been dispatched to the mall, and San Francisco's General Hospital confirms two gunshot victims have been brought to their emergency room. Witnesses say a series of six to eight shots were heard just before 4 o'clock this afternoon. Police are advising people to avoid the area. And once again, as you heard in the traffic report a few moments ago, BART trains are not stopped stopping at the adjacent San Bruno station. The mall, of course, is there at uh, 101 and 380, which more specifically right on El Camino at Sneath Lane in San Bruno. Ongoing police activity, so avoid the area as best as you can. Well, this 4th of July, no doubt you're going to have some plans to um, celebrate Independence Day, maybe even spend a little time with family, maybe an event that you're looking forward to. Maybe it's like Christmas and Thanksgiving, you kind of go and grin and bear it because getting to get there with family is, well, not always a fun event. You know, I guess for a lot of us, uh, family is what family is, right? You don't get a chance to choose the family that you're born into. You just have to learn to deal with it. If you're fortunate, you kind of work through some of the dysfunctionality that perhaps every family has to deal with. Although my next guest had more than her fair share of dysfunctionality. In fact, um, if you look up the term dysfunctional family, uh, the family that she was born into was that and on uh, hyperspeed, so to speak. We're joined today by Christine Stein. Now, Christine, it's a pseudonym that she uses. She is a photographer. Uh, you might recall uh, having achieved some national prominence in creating a charity devoted to rescuing horses. And, of course, that's now the official charity of the Kentucky Derby. She's been married for over 25 years, has one son, two grandchildren, and has just authored a new book detailing her own family life story growing up called Climbing Out of the Wreck, A Survivor's Tale. Christine, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You know, we all have challenges, and certainly in a country today where more than half the marriages end up in divorce, uh, there are families and blended families and dysfunctionality, and it can run the gambit from a workaholic dad to a parent who maybe uh, abuses uh, alcohol or drugs, uh, you know, a whole myriad of issues. I guess there's no family that's perfect. But your book details uh, inside look at your family growing up that, that I, I guess on, on the surface has got to be a shock to most people that you came out of that experience um, ultimately to, to, to raise your own successful family against, what should we say, but incredible odds. Yes, most people, when they do find out my childhood, they are surprised. Uh, my father was a sexual predator, and my mother was an alcoholic drug addict. Um, so you can just imagine having two adults that are guiding young children, what that was like. Um, so it was very hard to be in a, a situation like that, um, you know, because I was witnessing my father doing things. He had raped a couple of my older siblings, and, of course, in the book I go into, there was a trial. Uh, my mother was very weak about it, so a, a part of it I'll give to you is that she stood beside him, um, knowing the whole time that he had committed these crimes 
at his, you know, with his own children. Uh, my mother came out of a, of a life as a child. Is my grandfather uh, had raped her and her six sisters, and he was an alcoholic. So, you know, I could kind of say it gets no excuse. But my mother was already beaten down as a person. I think my father saw that in her as a predator and had children with her, and he took advantage of that situation. Now, my father came out of a loving, well-educated family. You would have no idea. And when they found out these things were going on, they were completely shocked. Um, but my, mo- uh, my father spent most of his life not just with inside his own family. He went on to do this to other families. Um, he... He would go over into other countries where the sex trade with children, that you could do that. Um, But he definitely was a predator until the day he passed. And I want uh, people to realize, you know, sex predators, uh, especially of children, um, you know, they don't change. The only time they change is they get sick or die or they go to jail. Um, So it stays with them. So my father had this sick mentality like I said, till the day he passed. And and tragically for your family, there there is a history here, and I guess it it points to the sense of of that family cycle. Uh, your mother, whom you describe in the book as having been challenged by not only drug and alcoholism but but mental illness, um, your mother was not only a survivor herself of sexual abuse, but so too were her siblings. And you you recount a story in the book, and I should mention for listeners, if you've got young children near the radio, maybe busy them elsewhere, because there are aspects of Christine's story that are that are hard to take, hard to hear, and yet I think we need to hear uh, to not only raise awareness, but to also give a sense of hope uh, to victims that there is an answer, that there is a way to stop the cycle. Um, but your your book describes an experience where your aunt, your mother's sister, was in fact abused in a very horrific fashion by her father, your grandfather, on the very day of her wedding. Yes, he um, had um, been raping um, his daughter since they were little, and went on into their teenage years. Um, my aunt was around nineteen. On her wedding day and um, at this point you know she had gotten away from him and was trying to start another life he went to where she was at on her wedding day and um, he you know said to her you know you're not gonna let your father give you away and he violently attacked her and raped her on her wedding day and my poor aunt you know went on to marry and have her own children but she went into a point of her life of alcohol and drugs, and that was part of her depression and, the, you know, bringing herself uh, down because she didn't really know how to cope with it. A lot, you know, nowadays we know um, go to a therapist, talk to people, do these things. At that time, it was really an embarrassment. You stay quiet. And as a child of abuse, you know, I remember the police would come to our house a lot. Um, this one night, my mother was on um, alcoholic, drug addict rage um, through the whole night. My father came in, and they went into even a bigger fight. The police came in, and I remember the police officer came over to me, and I was about seven at the time, 
And I was so tired. I hadn't had any sleep. I was drained. And he said to me, are you, are you all right, little girl? And I remember looking at him and thinking I wanted to say, please take me away. I can't take this anymore. But I said, I'm fine. I'm okay. And I want people to understand. They wonder why. Well, why doesn't children, you know, children speak up or people speak up? It's not that easy when you're in a sick environment like that and you have parents controlling your environment. You know, you're taught to keep it quiet because of the threat of being taken away from everything that you know and your other siblings is very scary to you. So there's a real sense of hopelessness in that case. And, and you know, I, I suppose the other thing, too, and we all recognize this, that, that, that children, by the very nature of being children, are vulnerable, that adults can physically and emotionally overpower them and manipulate them. And by virtue of the fact that they're adults and they know how to play the sexual and psychological game to get what they want, uh, take advantage of that. And, and, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Christine, because there are a lot of folks perhaps eavesdropping on our conversation right now saying, boy, not me. I wouldn't put up with that. I'd run away or I'd go out and, and call the cops or uh, go to a trusted neighbor or something. I'd go get help, but I wouldn't tolerate a scenario like that. But unfortunately for children in the middle of it, um, being able to escape that kind of Violence and abuse is not as easy as people on the outside might think. Yes, and I think people are, are just lack of education and understanding this this whole you know nightmare. Um, it isn't that easy, and when you're in the midst of it, and you're seven years old, even you know to sixteen years old, it's a nightmare. You're still a child, and you're being manipulated by adults that are out of control, and that's something very. You know, hard enough for an adult to deal with, but think of a seven-year-old dealing with that. You know, it's it's not that easy. And as you get older, there's shame with it, confusion. Um, you're scared if people find out. You know, there's a lot of things that come with that. You know, um, I would tell people, uh, as my journey went on, I started, um, there was very dark times in my life, but I started thinking, you know, who are these people that have been, you know, raising me? You know, would I ever, you know, as an adult, would I ever want them at my home? Would I ever want to deal with people like this? And I said no. And I want people to realize, too, inside these kind of families, there's loving moments, you know, which is that's what's so confusing. You can have a parent tell you that you love you, and then the next, you know, moment they're molesting you, slapping you, you know, telling you that you're, you know, garbage. Um, So this is a very complicated thing. Um, My journey, I took, you know, I was able to follow uh, the thought of who are these people? I don't want to be like these people. And as I grow up, I want to turn this whole situation around because I don't want to live like this all my life. If you've just joined our conversation, our visit today is with Christine Stein, a new book out called Climbing Out of the Wreck, A Survivor's Tale. We'll take a brief time out, get you updated on some traffic. We'll also have an update for you on the situation in San Bruno as Lifeline continues. All right, let's head over to the KFAX Traffic Center and get the latest.
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Now we're back at 5.50 here on the Tuesday edition of Lifeline, visiting with author Christine Stein. She's penned a new book about her experiences growing up called Climbing Out of the Wreck, A Survivor's Tale. One of the things perhaps that you can help us understand, uh, Christine, and and that is that oftentimes in in cases of families where there's such a tremendous degree of dysfunctionality, there's also a pretty tremendous degree of codependency, isn't there? Codependency in the sense that even though you see your mom uh, not standing up for you, you also are sympathetic realizing that she's kind of a victim of, of this set of circumstances as well, and then I would suspect amongst the siblings, there becomes after a while a sense of, of codependency, too, just simply trying to survive. Yes. And you, you actually, when you go through something that, that any form of love or anything, you hold on to that desperately. So you, you know, are, you know, you try to laugh things off. You try to forgive things that should, are unforgivable. Um, it's a survival way of dealing with things, even though you don't realize you're doing that. I have siblings now that I have one sister that's homeless, became a drug addict. I have a couple other siblings that, you know, have problems with drugs and alcohol that I I can't even communicate with. And then my other siblings have taken another path and, um, you know, they deal with it. Somebody asked me, does this ever go away? You carry these scars inside of you. It's the way you choose to deal with it. And instead of uh, taking a real negative way, you know, you just need to cry it out and try to do something positive or show people that, you know, you can do something great for others. Um, if you go inward and start to drink and do drugs, you know, it, you know the likelihood of your life being happy, it's, it's not. And horrible things, as you know, come out of that. And I suppose in the circumstances, out of a sense of no options or desperation, uh, can lead people to try and cope by anesthetizing, anesthetizing through drug abuse or through alcohol abuse. That that certainly was your mother's experience. And, and as you delineate in the book, um, her, her drinking caused her to devolve to the point where she eventually was, was suffering from mental illness. Uh, you recount one tale in the book where your mother comes screaming down the hallway uh, completely naked, saying that she found aliens in the house. Yes, at one point um, she, you know, ended up losing her mind with the alcohol and the drugs. And I think carrying all that guilt and the trauma from her childhood, but I think deep inside she she knew that it was wrong covering up uh, what my father was doing inside the household. And it eventually she lost her mind. And then, you know, after a long period of time, which it goes into the book, I'm able to reconnect with my mother, but of course it's a different kind of mother. And um, the book kind of, you know, goes through it. And there were very dark times in my life, but I kept thinking, you know, how do people get out of this? How do people reach out, you know, talk to someone down the road? And that's what I did. And I started figuring out what I'm worth. And for me, I started doing things for others. And like I created you know, the horse charity, which um, I won the Kentucky Derby Award, and I started rescuing horses that were being abused and dogs. And um, I can give you an example what happens in something like this. I remember at a point I had a child as a young girl 
my father was in a house with my mother. I went to visit. I could tell my father was off at a point, and he was ready to verbally attack. And I came in, and he just started attacking me, saying, you know, Christine, who are you? What are you? You know, you're, you're nothing. And he had a habit of doing this to his children, and that was like holding us down. And I remember at one point I confronted him, and, you know, I let him know that I know who I am, and I would never sexually rape my own children. And I went through the list, you know, the laundry list of what he had done. I started walking out of the house, and I, I grabbed my child. And this was in 10 minutes. And, I, you know, I was crying because of all that abuse that I had all my life from him. I went into the car, and my son looked at me as a little boy, and he said, you know, Mommy, I know who you are. I love you, Mommy. And I realized really at that moment as well that this man that had abused me, you know, all my childhood, I don't have to take it, but I was worth something, and I have a child that I'm going to put nothing but goodness into his life, and not he will never have to go through the things that I had to. My son is married now, and he, you know, I have grandchildren. He became a doctor, which uh, his profession is to save lives. And when I do visit him and I see his little family, you know, there's no abuse, there's no hostile, you know, the, the, you know, the circle of abuse has been, you know, what inside my own family has stopped now. And I'm so thankful and proud of that. And that wasn't easy to do, but I, I knew I had to stop it, you know, you know, in the next generation with my, with my own family. And I was able to accomplish that. And at some point, you have to confront a lot of that pain, and I realize for some, they might think it's easier to ignore it or to anesthetize it, but failure to confront it and deal with it to stop the cycle and be able to get beyond it, I I, I guess that really, for a lot of people, becomes the major stumbling block, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you totally block these things, it will come out in certain behaviors and things that you do, and you will live in that darkness. If you're able to you know, get therapy or talk to someone close to you or, you know, get involved in certain things, it really does help. And it is a journey, and it's a life journey. I mean, you carry these scars all your life, but when something emotionally comes up, you know, I've learned to, you know, let it flow through me, and I go towards positive things instead of just letting it eat me alive and, uh, you know, take me over like some of my siblings and I suppose there's a degree, too, where, where Christine, the, the desire to move on is is overpowering, uh, and yet at the same token, there are certain life realities that you have to continue to uh, to face. You account, for example, in the book, at the point at which your mother finally passed away, that your sister Katie showed up at the funeral dressed like she was going to a beach party and uh, within moments wanted to know where the check was, uh, I'm assuming the inheritance, because she needed money, and all this taking place physically there at the funeral parlor. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's the sister. She lives on the streets. She became a drug addict, and she doesn't live in reality. She's a very um, out-of-control person. She went on to have her own child, which was taken away from her. And then my niece uh, ended up having a baby very young, which that child was taken from her. So that cycle still goes on through my sister. And I have a, a brother is the same situation. But my other siblings have, you know, worked on it and figured out, 
you know, how to deal with it and be kinder parents and people that you would like to meet. So, you know, you have choices, you know, and I realize I am in the greatest country ever, and these choices are out there. No matter how I feel horrible about myself and what has done to me, I can reach out to organizations and people that won't judge me and help me. And I want other victims to know that. And this book gives you insight to a little girl's life dealing with a father that's, you know, was a rapist and a mother that was very dysfunctional. And you get an insight of uh, understanding what a child goes through. And I think uh, people that it hasn't happened to, they'll have a better understanding. And um, people that it has, there's, you know, you realize there is a way to help yourself. You, you hear often want it bad enough. You, you often hear Christine people say, "I can't talk about it. I, I, I just I can't bear to bring it up, even if they've sort of moved past it. They 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 feel that confronting it or being open or or, or vocal about it is just an absolute impossibility. So here you are. You've not only detailed your experiences in the side of the pages of climbing out of the wreck, but you're talking about it on the radio. Is, is For you, is there a sense of healing by being able to, to talk about it and admit what went on? Yes, and, you know, the sense like I told you, you know, earlier on in my life, I started an organization by helping, you know, abused horses and dogs, and it empowered me to know that I was worthwhile. And I started thinking about if I was able to do this, and I went to people that were educated about this kind of abuse, and I learned from them and what I could do, I started thinking about the book. And I said, well, at least I can share what happened, and whoever it helps or makes people understand and not be so judgmental, um, then I've done good again. So, you know, that's the way I look at it. When I was writing the book, there was quite a few times I had to get up and walk away from it. And I didn't even know at times that I could even finish it because of flashbacks. Um, But I feel really good that it's out. I feel really good like I'm speaking with you and your audience because, you know, there's a lot of people that have been abused to different levels that need to know there's other people out there and they just need to hear people talking and um, understanding. At the end of the day that you're not alone and that there is hope and there is help available. The book is called Climbing Out of the Wreck, A Survivor's Tale. Its author has been our guest on this segment of Lifeline, Christine Stein. And Christine, thanks so much for the time as well as your willingness to share your story with us. Six o'clock from KFAX. Get a look at traffic right now. We'll head back over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.